Hi there, I'm JoLynn McCarthy and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Each week, Two Question Tuesday answers randomly picked questions submitted by our clients. Answering this week's questions, we have with us Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focus Wealth Management, and Mike Pisani, Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, JoLynn, how are you? Morning, JoLynn. Thank Good. you. Okay, Mike, our first question is from John in Oklahoma. In your opinion, what is the difference between owning bonds and dividend-paying stocks in a long-term portfolio? So one of the more important aspects about this really filters back into an individual's direct risk tolerance, in my opinion, because when you actually consider the environment that we're in, and we've vocalized this a lot, we've seen the 10-year treasury go from about 30 basis points almost exactly a year ago now in the depths of exactly when we were shutting the economy down throughout COVID up to about 1.7, I think it peaked a little above 1.7% a few weeks ago. So in that type of environment, there's just going to be a headwind for bonds because bonds naturally have an inverse correlation. Oh, the price of bonds have an inverse correlation with the movements in yields. Bonds are really good in portfolios for risk adverse people who want capital preservation to hopefully maintain purchase, purchasing power relative inflation to uh, mitigate the volatility of an aggregate portfolio. But in a rising interest rate environment, it's tough to make money in bonds. There are certain accounts like pensions, um, that have a directive where you have to be a 60-40, 70-30 portfolio. So you always have to have some composition of bonds in these things. But as an individual investor, if you are able to stomach an elevated degree of volatility in this particular environment of rising interest rates, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have value dividend-oriented stocks because if you look at long-term purchasing power in periods and bouts of inflation – Stocks and particularly dividend paying stocks do and even stocks that are sequentially increasing their dividend payout rates. Those are good battle or good to hedge against inflationary pressures. So in the current environment that we are in, where you're going to see a particular headwind because the Barclays aggregate bond index down about three and a half percent on the year, it's going to be one of the worst years for bonds. Uh, in about 30 years, and largely because interest rates got so low, you were basically bumping up against the zero bound in terms of yield. When rates rise, bonds are just going to lose money in that type of environment, especially as the economy sequentially opens up and accelerates again. There's a time to own bonds and portfolios. Talk about March of 2020, when really the only asset class that was up in that particular month was long-term treasury bonds. So they, they do have a piece in everyone's portfolio because if you need to take money out, you don't want to have to sell an equity that's at a loss in order to finance some type of a distribution. So in periods of volatile markets, you bonds hold everything together. They're like a kind of foundation of the portfolio. But at the same time, when you look back at the environment, it actually points to owning dividend-paying stocks right now versus bonds. That doesn't mean run out of your risk tolerance and change exactly what you're doing, but it's definitely a conversation to consider if you're able to accept a little bit of a higher degree of risk. Okay, thank you, Mike. Bill, our next question is from Adam in New York. What is happening with Archigos? That's all over the news this morning. Archigos Capital, uh, what is it? It's a family office. So a family office is often exempt 
to carve out under Dodd-Frank legislation that is exempt from SEC registration and filings uh, managed by Bill Huang. Uh, prior to that, he was at Tiger Capital uh, and, and ran their Asian fund. He was one of the disciples of Julian Robertson, one of the pioneers of hedge fund investing. Uh, so this family office, uh, which was is set up to usually serve one primary family, which is his family, um, you know, became basically a hedge fund uh, disguised as a family office. Family offices are generally more conservative. Um, and uh, but this was managed as a hedge fund, highly leveraged, uh, once again, um, you know, using uh, swaps. Uh, to leverage up positions uh, in stocks such as Viacom, which was down about 40 to 50% last week, uh, Discover, uh, which was down about 40% last week, Baidu down about 35 to 40% last week. So names that really took a hit uh, last week. And Viacom was interesting because the stock has gone up so much over the past, you know, let's say six months now with the reopening trade. And then last week they issued more stock. And when they issued more stock, uh, that's when it really started to go down 40 to 50%. There was no appetite for demand for Viacom uh, in the marketplace. And so margin calls started to happen. Because Wang had such a large position uh, in these companies and was so highly leveraged, people are talking about that with a swap, he could have used leverage of four to five times, right? So, you know, every $10 million was acting as 40 or 50. Uh, and um, that's why banks who were his counterparty to those swaps, don't forget a swap is basically like a contract on a stock. It's basically a bet that's a written agreement between a between two parties. The counterparties to those bets, uh, Credit Suisse and Nomura, Nomura is talking this morning about taking a $10 billion potential loss uh, for the quarter. Uh, Credit Suisse uh, undisclosed, but large losses as well. Um, so once again, this is leverage gone awry uh, in very concentrated names. Now, Wang had good success in the past where he really uh, you know, made, made the family office quite a bit of money. But this is the other side of that coin. Uh, is there contagion that spreads to other large banks here? You know, Goldman was very, very quick uh, to take down their exposure vis-a-vis um, -vis margin calls. Uh, and so I think that if Goldman is not affected, uh, kind of the secondary players like Credit Suisse and Nomura and whatnot, um, whose stock prices have not rebounded like like the bigger banks, uh, seem to be okay. Maybe there will not be a contagion-like effect. Um, but this is again typical, right? Historically, of what we see at market tops, it go back to '98 before the '99 and 2000 bust. But 1998, long-term capital management, as Michael pointed out this morning on our, on our asset management call, uh, asset allocation team call, um, at the time was a billion-dollar fund uh, that blew up near the Federal Reserve of New York to really help wind down uh, their leverage plays. And that was small uh, billion dollars today, especially compared to this small family office that's out there with, with the exposure that they have and taking these large uh, players like Nomura and Credit Suisse, their stock price is down about 15% in a day. So, you know, this can pose a little bit of a risk. But I, as of now, from what we know, uh, I don't think it is contagion-like uh, or anywhere like like that 1998. But we'll see, you know, as we'll see who, who other counterparties are out there. But again, when you take these large positions, when you're using large leverage four to five times, uh, and when you're using these swaps, 
this at the end of the day is, is what could happen. That's why having a good diversified portfolio, not employing margin, you know, and uh, not employing leverage uh, is the right way over time uh, to, to grow your wealth and manage it properly. So, yeah, I very much agree with that. And it, this brings me all the way back to March of 2020 all over again, when we were talking about the markets going down and a lot of ind individual investors got blamed for the markets going down because people were panicking. The futures don't go limit down because individual investors panic. The futures go limit down because large hedge funds. And if this is a $10 billion fund and he's levered four to five to one, that's 40 to $50 billion in concentrated positions. When you get a margin call, you have to sell. You don't even get a choice. And Goldman just started liquidating these things. And that also, to, going to another degree, that talks about the risk in owning individual stocks, right? Because some of, some of these names, they're going down 30 to 50%. And there's literally no news about them. It's all about ownership and who owns them and who has to sell them. So what are the biggest risks, risks about owning individual stocks? It isn't even company-specific risk. It's different ownership that's out there. So it's always tough when you don't have any negative news bulletin and your stocks go down 40 to 50% in a week. Like that's brutal. So yeah, yeah. it's the same old story. People taking too much leverage and excessive amounts of risk and greed. All right. Thank you both for answering this week's two questions. If you have a question you'd like to submit, email us at jmccarthy at focuswealthmgmt.com. Stay safe and we will see you next week.